Hello and welcome back to another episode of the DFS Today and the Advantage podcast. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Tuesday, September 20th. That means today is the spend up options for the upcoming week three DFS slate. Before we get to that discussion, we have a few other topics to cover. Since it is Tuesday, we will start with the week two recap. Then we will do a brief gambling lesson. Today's lesson is on closing line value and how important that is in NFL betting. And then we will do a week three look ahead and finally talk about the upcoming DFS slate and the spend up options. We will continue with what we discussed last week where the cutoff is any player priced above $7,000 or the top five at that respective position if there aren't five players worth $7,000. All right, before we get started, please follow me on Twitter, at mfiddle14. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. I'll say it again, if you are listening to this on the DFS Today podcast feed, I would love a written review on whatever platform you are listening to. I am doing a takeover of this podcast feed. My normal podcast is called The Advantage. So if you could give me a written review on the DFS Today feed, that would be fantastic. That way the people who are posting it onto that feed will get some good feedback that I'm doing good work. All right. Week two recap. DFS front sucked. That's what you guys are here for. And I didn't perform too well. Obviously week one, was a, what, 11x of my entry fees. So we hit really, really big. Week two, not up to snuff. The stack of Stafford and Cup was really great. But the rest of the core, I mean, Paris Campbell, holy shit. A goose egg without Michael Pittman, without Alec Pierce, going against the Jacksonville Jaguars, Matt Ryan coming off a game where he has the most passing yards in the entire league. And Paris Campbell does not catch a single ball. Holy hell. That The Colts really got shut out. Wow. Colts stink. I had Colts as one of my preseason teams to ride. It's time to jump off that train right now. Perhaps get back on later when they get healthier. But yikes. I also played uh, Jerry Judy in literally every lineup, and he got hurt in the first quarter. So it becomes impossible to win in the DFS space when you have in-game injuries, especially in the first quarter in literally every lineup. So my day on the DFS front was sunk pretty much right away when Judy went out. And of course, Paris Campbell with the goose egg. That's essentially like two players injured. Absolutely impossible to come back from. Uh, some of the other players that I spent up on but didn't perform as well as I expected, Saquon, I mean, he got 24 touches, so the volume was there. Great. I'll sign up for that every week, but he just didn't do much with them. Lenny Fournette, 26 touches. Same thing. Volume. Great. I'll sign up for it every week. Didn't do much with his touches. So I spent up in the right places. Obviously, Cup balled out. Stafford, that was the right stack. It just didn't work out this week, and we move on to the next. However, on the gambling front, I absolutely dominated in week two. I went 
I think it was 16 and 6 in my week two bets. And three of the losses were like really small quarter units on like the Titans money line long shot, a Jerry Judy prop bet. And uh, I think the other one was, oh, there's the small Chargers money line on Thursday night, even though I covered the spread. So 16 wins, six losses, three tiny losses with a net of plus 10.18 units. Now, to come away plus 10 units on a single Sunday is like nearly historic. It was a really, really, really good Sunday. Using my principles of bankroll management discussed on last Tuesday's podcast, which means each unit is 1.2% of my total bankroll, this means I increased my entire betting account by 12.22% from what I started with on week two. Wow. Building off the lesson I gave Tuesday, now that I eclipsed a new plus five units threshold, which means at least a 6% increase in my account, I take the new total in my account, recalculate my new 1.2% unit, and now I have a bigger bet size at scale going into next week. If you missed last week's lesson on bankroll management and unit distribution, go listen to the Tuesday Week 2 Spend Up episode, which it is included in there. Today's gambling lesson, and hopefully a weekly part of the Tuesday show, will be a quick gambling lesson. Today's is about CLV. CLV stands for Closing Line Value. Closing line value is the difference between the ticket you have on a given line and the closing line number for that same bet when the game starts. For example, last week the Patriots was my best bet of the week. It opened at a minus one. I noticed the reverse line movement trend, which I pointed out happening when the line moved to minus 1.5. Do you guys remember? I said there's money coming in on the Steelers, but the line is moving more to favor the Patriots. That shows that the books are taking a position, and if the books are taking a position, we want to side with the books themselves and increase our exposure. It was a full 3.3 units to win three, which is my max exposure on a bet. So I jumped in on that line at Patriots minus 1.5. That was the number I had on my bet ticket. Throughout the week, the line movement continued, and we went into Sunday kickoff with a closing line spread of Patriots minus 2.5. The opening line was minus 1. My ticket was minus 1.5, and this means my ticket carried a CLV of plus 1, because it was one full point ahead of the market at Patriots minus 2.5. The biggest CLV you could have had on this game was a plus 1.5 if you had bet the Patriots at minus 1 when the line first dropped. The worst CLV you could have had on this game would be a negative 1.5. If you bet on the Steelers plus 1, in the same position 
when the line first opened. In NFL football, CLV is the largest indicator of whether a ticket will win. These books are sharp. The way to beat the books is to have a better number than the final number for that game. To take advantage of market inefficiencies throughout the week and as the lines get sharper and sharper and go into Sunday with tickets with plus CLV. This is why I start betting on Sunday morning for week three. I have a good idea of the sharp angles for that week. And if those play out, chances are I can get ahead of the market for next week. On Sunday night, after watching games, it is the best time to make bets for the upcoming week. I always post on Sunday night, a week early, my leans, my bets, my early plays. This week, I submitted nine bets on Sunday night and immediately posted them to my Twitter. Again, shout out, follow me, mfiddle14. And upon checking now on Tuesday, I have a plus CLV ticket on seven out of nine of these games. I am probably going to sell off one of them, which we will talk about in a second. And I will go into Sunday with, of the eight bets that I currently have, seven of them, I will be ahead of the market. This is why getting positive valued tickets is so important. Placing bets on a Sunday morning is a losing proposition. The market value is sucked dry. You're left searching for water in a desert out there. I wouldn't recommend jumping in with a clean slate and making first look, first bets on Sunday. You can make bets on Sunday if you're waiting for line movement in a particular direction, if you're waiting on getting a final number, if you're thinking this line won't move to the next key number, so I'm going to wait it out until before tip, before kickoff, tip is NBA. So there are reasons to make more bets on Sunday. There is a high likelihood I will continue to submit more bets throughout the week. But again, you want to get in early on the NFL before the market inefficiencies are corrected by sharp bettors. Since NFL games are weekly, CLV is the biggest indicator of that sharpening market and a way to take advantage of, again, I keep saying it, these market inefficiencies. There's a guy named John Sheeran. I've mentioned his name plenty on my podcast, The Advantage. He is the head odds maker for FanDuel Sportsbook. He has a few recorded interviews on YouTube. I watch like everything that he puts out. And in one of them, he says he hires odd makers. And in one of them, he says he hires odds makers based on their ability to beat CLV time and time again for a particular sport. So, if the head odds maker of now the biggest sports book in the world is indicating that CLV is the indicator of a good gambler, then you want to have CLV on your gambling tickets. Pay attention to these things and learn how to get CLV tickets if you want to win. Okay, now let's talk about those week two lines that I jumped on, why I chose them, and where they stand now. 
The first bet that I put in was Raiders Titans under 45 and a half for half a unit. And this is one of the lines that has moved against me to 46 and a half. I'm on the under at 45 and a half. It's currently at 46 and a half. So if the game were to kick off now, it would be a CLV of minus one. I'm considering selling off this ticket. The Titans offense looked anemic through two games. The Raiders offense is supposed to have a lot of weapons, but it hasn't really shown out. So that's why I leaned under, but the market moving against me in a game I didn't have a strong opinion on, maybe this is a game where these teams correct themselves because their respective defenses aren't that great either this season. So maybe they're thinking these offenses can come alive this week. Again, this market has moved against me. I have to study this game a little bit more. I was expecting it to move closer to the key number of the 44 and go to about 44 and a half. And I thought I would get ahead of the market. But again, I will consider selling off this ticket because I am behind the market value. Second game I bet on was the Falcon Seahawks. Under 42.5, again, half unit, and it has been bet down to 41.5, so I have a plus one CLV on this game. Falcons and Seahawks are two teams that are pretty bad, and when two pretty bad teams face each other, you generally get a low-scoring game in the teens or low 20s, so getting a 42.5 north of the 40-41 key numbers I was willing to take the under. Now you're seeing it at the 41 and a half. I still kind of like this ticket right now, and I wouldn't be shocked if it continues to move down a bit. 49ers, welcome back, Jimmy G. I'm sorry to hear Trey Lance is hurt. It sucks when someone gets hurt. But I think for the 49ers, it will probably help their offense a bit. I jumped on the 49ers plus 1.5. And it is now 49ers minus one. That is two and a half points of CLV on that ticket already. I also jumped on the 49ers over 21 team total points. And that is up to 23 and a half. Again, plus 2.5 on both of my 49ers tickets, which were each for full units. So I'm feeling really good about that upcoming 49ers-Broncos game where the whole spirits of the 49ers seem to have been lifted by Trey Lance and the Broncos seem like the worst coach team in the NFL. The Cardinals were a plus four and a half going against the Rams. The Rams' defense seems a little bit aged and overrated. The Rams' offense is clearly lacking weapons. The Cardinals are playing an in-division game where they know they will need to turn it on for the whole thing and not do this whole second half flip the switch that they did against the Raiders and pull one out of their ass. I jumped on the Cardinals plus 4.5 because you were getting an in-division game where you were getting the three and the four and the hook on the four. It has since moved to a plus four, so you no longer get the hook. Again, that means I have a closing line value of plus 0.5, and I'm fading the Rams a bit this season 
because they just look like they are missing weapons and aged a bit on defense. It just seems like some of their key defenders have less to play for now that they won a Super Bowl. I don't really love betting motivation angles. You can say they're a bit slower. I don't know really what it is, but two home games coming out 1-1 one and one and potentially almost 0-2 because they almost blew a complete lead to the Falcons. Scary stuff for what the Rams' future outlook this season is. The Dolphins plus 4.5. This was something that I bet before Sunday's game against the Ravens. I was on the Dolphins plus three and a half for that game. I was on the Dolphins money line. I was also on the under, which turned out to be the worst bet in the history of uh, the NFL, considering there was 80 points scored in that game. Um, But yeah, I was on the Dolphins because I see this team as being really good. I actually think Tua is a quarterback that fits their system, and they have such speed, and I think they actually have a pretty good defense. Their defense did not do too well against Baltimore, but again, I'm not too concerned. I do think Miami has an underrated and pretty solid defensive unit and a really explosive offense. So again, getting the three, getting the four, getting the hook on the four and a half, and playing an in-division game against the Bills, I thought to myself, I should jump on this now. If it moves to five, if it moves to five and a half, those things really don't affect me that much versus having a four and a half ticket. If I had a four and a half ticket and it moved to five and a half, I probably wouldn't sell off of it because the outcome of five in NFL is really minimal. We're not getting to another key number, which is six. Well, in this Dolphins-Bills game, Bills just played on Monday night. Bills looked freaking fantastic. Absolutely smacked the Tennessee Titans, which play good teams well. They play close games. The Titans were the number one team in the AFC last year. Uh, Not against the Bills. Bills look dominant. Bills are now a minus six in this game, meaning the Dolphins are a plus six, meaning I have a minus one and a half CLV on this game. Now, I do expect some market correction. I'm not going to sell off of this ticket now because then I'm selling off at maximum worst value. I don't expect this to keep moving to six and a half or seven. I expect it to come back down to five and a half. I will probably keep this ticket in again because if I have a ticket at four and a half and it moves to five and a half, it's not that big of a difference. If this stays at six or goes to six and a half, I am just going to sell off of this ticket and cut my losses, even though my gut still leans Dolphins. I can't get it out of there. But that's not what I bet on. I don't bet on my gut. I bet on what I see in the market. And if that's what happens, it is an indicator to sell off my ticket and get out of that game. The Cardinals and the Dolphins were both half unit plays. So, so far, the only full unit plays were the two plays on the 49ers. Again, all of this is posted to my Twitter. The next three are all full unit plays. I am ahead of the market on all of them, and they are all totals. I have the New England-Baltimore over 43, over in the Vikings-Detroit game. The Vikings can't stop anybody. Detroit versus Vikings over 50.5, again, full unit. 
That line is now at 52.5. Do not bet the over 52.5 for this game. That has since lost its value because it has crossed the key numbers of 51 and 52. So we know 51 is a key number. We know 52 is a key number. So you want to be on the right side of those. Detroit's offense is really good. Really good. And what's almost as good as Detroit's offense is how bad their defense is. So I think the Vikings' lack of offense against the Eagles was a bit of a fluke. I think heavy scoring in this Detroit versus Vikings game. We will certainly be looking into that for DFS. And then Carolina versus the Saints. I'm on the under 41. It has since moved to 40 and a half. You are missing the key number of the 41 and getting the push. So I'm not sure if I would bet that. I would wait to see if that continues to move. I don't expect that to go anywhere below 40. It might stay at 40 and a half. So that would be a bet that you could make on Sunday if it stays there. Or maybe it pushes back up to 41 where you get that key number and you can bet the under. Those are my nine bets. Those were the thought process that went into them. You have to think, what market inefficiencies can I get ahead of? What key numbers are close to these current lines? And where might this line move? And what key number do I want to get before it crosses? So if you consistently do that and you consistently bet on Sunday and try and beat whatever the Sports Center story headline is going to be, you will end up with positive CLV, which likely means a winning NFL betting ticket. Do not wake up on Sunday morning and think, I'm going to watch some games. What should I bet on? Certainly, if you are listening to this podcast, you want to get good at betting, which means investing some of your time at the beginning of the week so that come Sunday, you have success. Okay, let's talk about the DFS slate. Let me pull it on up. Let's start with the quarterback position. We are going one, two, three, four, five, six options above $7,000. So those are the names we will discuss. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, finally up there, and Herbert and Kyler Murray. So Josh Allen is going against Miami. Again, I think Miami's defense is underrated. It's an in-division game. I wouldn't love playing into it, but again, Josh Allen is actually, actually incredible. They throw more than anyone on first down. You have a great stack option with Stephon Diggs. You have a potential stack option with Dawson Knox, who's probably going to need some grease on his squeaky wheels going into week three. So again, you, you got to consider Josh Allen. I don't love it being the highest priced option, but it's got to be an option. Uh, Lamar Jackson, I'm playing the under in that game. I will not be having Lamar Jackson. Patrick Mahomes, he's playing against Indy. He's playing on the road. I mean, Indy is terrible. They just lost 24-0 to the Jacksonville Jaguars. This might be a stomping for the Chiefs. There's stack options with Kelsey. 
so you have to consider Patrick Mahomes. Look at the Colts injury report later in this week. I'll revisit this. Uh, they were missing some key guys on defense. So if they're continuing to miss some of their key defensive players, then look for Mahomes to completely exploit that. Jalen Hurts, I love him. He absolutely has to be considered. This guy runs. He runs for touchdowns. He barrels people over. He's really hard to take down. He throws a lot. They open up the field. He's got weapons. I think he scored over 30 points today in fantasy Monday night. So, yeah, Jalen Hurts, definitely an option. You could stack him with A.J. Brown. Justin Herbert, he's got 10 days to rest from that rib shot that he took. Let's wait to hear on more news. Let's wait to see if Keenan Allen is healthy. He's playing an in-division game, home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So generally, we don't love to play into division games, but the Jaguars, not that great. They have a very young defense. Herbert can take advantage of that. We need to know, is Herbert healthy? Is Keenan Allen healthy? Who's playing exactly uh, before we make that decision on Herbert? Again, he's got good stack options with Mike Williams and Gerald Everett. I wouldn't play into Keenan Allen coming off a hamstring injury because that's so easy to re-aggravate and be like limited snap counts. But Herbert can definitely be a guy. 7400 His price is the fifth highest. He's not the fifth highest quarterback. He's better than that on most weeks. So maybe we can take advantage of that playing in a home game. I like Herbert. Kyler Murray playing against the Rams in division game home. I mean, you have to consider Kyler because the rushing floor, he's 7,300. Not the best stack options because he doesn't have a clear trusted receiver unless you wanted to go with like a Dorch value stack. So I don't love Kyler as much. Again, he's also playing against the Rams, which I just called them an age defense, but maybe they can shut me up. They still have some big names back there. I probably look more to a Hurts, Mahomes, or Josh Allen in this situation. I'm fading Lamar and likely out on Herbert given the health situation of the Chargers. Let's move to running back. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine players above $7,000. Let's talk about nine running backs right now. Start with Jonathan Taylor against the Chiefs. I don't love Jonathan Taylor this week. I need to see him get the volume again. He had, what, seven touches in week two. The Colts were shut out. They were missing a lot of key pieces on both offense and defense. If they're going to be in a losing game script and heavily trailing against the Chiefs, I call that game a potential stomping. I don't want my highest priced player being a running back on the team getting stomped, going to a passing game script. So fade Jonathan Taylor and his $9,000 salary. I am out on that. McCaffrey, in-division game against the Saints. Saints defense is really good. On the other hand, Fournette just got 26 touches against this team. CMC is a high PPR back. He needs to have his breakout game soon. I think CMC has got to be considered an option. Derrick Henry going against the Raiders. 
He will be on a rest disadvantage, so I don't really like Derrick Henry. We also need to see it a little bit more. He will get the volume. DraftKings is full PPR, which does not bode well for a guy like Derrick Henry at 8,100, so I don't love it. Austin Eckler. I actually kind of love him this week. Uh, If Herbert is a little shaken up still, if Keenan Allen is out, then Eckler is going to have like eight or nine catches, which means eight or nine points, which means another 50 reception yards, which means 10 carries. You know, he will have 120 plus all-purpose yards and his nose for the end zone has been kept out through weeks one and two. This man had 20 red zone touchdowns last year. 20 of them. He will get in the end zone soon. It might start in an in-division game. We're getting Eckler at a slight discount. $8,000. I definitely like Austin Eckler. I also like Dalvin Cook, the next man up. We just talked about how this game is going over. 52.5 is the current total in the Minnesota versus Detroit game. We need to pay attention to that things like that. Detroit has not been able to stop the run. Uh, the Vikings just did not perform well against the Eagles. They tried to go a little bit too pass heavy. Look for them to establish the run against Minnesota. I mean, against Detroit, playing in Minnesota in their home, where they do have a dominant home field advantage. If you look at win rates, so if they are playing against a weaker team, if they are winning, you want their running back, Dalvin Cook, 7,900, definitely a good option. Joe Mixon, Cincinnati Bengals. The offensive line can't protect Joe Burrow for shit. So I'm out on Joe Mixon because of the offensive line troubles there. It's not any issue I have with Mixon himself. Just don't like the situation. Again, he's going against the Jets, so it's a major, major, major get-right spot for the Cincinnati Bengals. I will be looking to bet Bengals alternate spreads when it comes out later this week. I want Bengals like minus 9.5, minus 13.5, minus like 16.5. I want different key numbers at long plus odds for the Bengals to just smack the Jets and get right. They've lost two very close games where they've had a lot of turnover uh, bad luck, I guess you could say. Too many turnovers for the Bengals. Look for them to right the ship, but I don't necessarily want to play into it with DFS with Joe Mixon, so not too sure. I might come back on Thursday and correct myself on that. I don't love Mixon, but I don't. I also, as you can tell, don't totally know how I feel about it. Aaron Jones against Tampa Bay. I have a tough time ever playing Aaron Jones. Not because he's not great at football, but you just don't know how the split is going to be with A.J. Dillon on any given week. I mean, this is going against Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady. It's pretty cool to see GB at TB on the games list. It's just like, hey, it's Packers. It's Packers Bucks. It's Brady Rodgers. It's going to be an absolute showdown. It is going to be on the primetime TV. So if you want to watch one of your guys on the spend-up option, certainly go with Aaron Jones. You will be able to watch plenty of it. But I don't love it, considering you can get Fournette for $1,000 cheaper, and they probably play a pretty similar role, which is power back with Pat's catching abilities. You just don't know 
what A.J. Dillon's role is going to be any given week, who's going to have the hot hand, and which way it's going to go. Then again, I keep circling around this point. Because it is Tom Brady versus Rodgers, I expect Rodgers to have his best guys on the field as much as possible to get his playmakers to the ball, to be very locked in. I kind of lean Packers in this game. I don't have a bet on it. The total has been majorly sharp towards the under, which might mean a situation to avoid an Aaron Jones. I won't be playing Aaron Jones, but no disrespect to him. DeAndre Swift, not sure how healthy he is. So without knowing what his health situation is, we can't play him. If he is healthy, he is an absolute beast and can be played. So let's probably wait a few weeks on him. He's dealing with an ankle situation. He's probably going to continue to miss practices. Let's wait until he's practicing on a regular basis. And his price will probably continue to decrease a little bit. And we'll get in on him then. Uh, Kamara next. I like Kamara. You got to always like Kamara. Nose for the end zone. But he's hurt coming off a week where he was injured. So it's hard to play a guy coming off injury. Fournette is the next name on the list. Slightly below 7,000. He's 6,500. I see myself playing Fournette this week. It's going to be a hard situation to avoid. Again, that game is going to be prominent. They're going to want to get their playmakers the ball. It is sharp towards the under. We will expect heavy run situations. Fournette had 26 touches in week two. Mike Evans is suspended in this game. There will be more opportunities for Fournette. Maybe he gets 30 touches. Maybe he gets two touchdowns. Count me in. You could probably call Lenny Fournette part of my core for this week. We could take advantage of the situation where he got volume but didn't produce. So his price tag didn't go up even though he got the volume that should say his price tag should be about $1,000 higher. Let's go over to wide receiver. One, two, three. Four, five, six, seven, eight. Next time I'll do the counting on my own so I don't have to count on the microphone. There are eight wide receivers above $7,000. Welcome to the $7,000 club, Amon Ross St. Brown. I think this is his first time he's ever been ranked, maybe at the, towards the end of last season, but I don't love playing very late season DFS when crazy things are happening. Silly season in fantasy. Super hard to predict. Not sure if he was there last season, but certainly new for me to see Amon Ra in the $7,000 club. Welcome and well-deserved after this last string of games that he's had. Okay, so we have eight. Let's start from the top. Cooper Cup, 9,900. He's there again. Yep. Yep. Justin Jefferson. I mean, I'm I'm not even going to say anything more about Cooper Cup. Justin Jefferson, 9,300, going against Detroit in a game sharp towards the over. Yup, definitely worth considering. Devontae Adams versus the Tennessee Titans. I'm on, I remember, I bet the under, but I thought this game has weird line movement and the fact that it's gone up in its total. So I guess you could consider Devontae Adams at 8,400. He gets a crazy amount of volume. The Raiders play close games, have we seen week in, week out. This game is supposed to be close, so Adams should stay on the field and involved throughout the entire game. Carr should stay throwing. Can't say no to Devontae Adams. He is such a playmaker, and he can make anything happen. Jamar Chase. 
I feel the same way. 8,100. This guy is such a playmaker. He can make anything happen in a get-right spot for the Bengals. You know Burrow is going to be looking for a home run to chase. He's going to be looking for one of these deep balls to connect. Burrow connected on the most deep balls in the NFL last season. And through two weeks, he's only completed one pass over 25 yards downfield. Stephon Diggs, 7,700. I mean, if you're going with Josh Allen, you have your answer. Stephon Diggs is in your lineup. Probably the best stack you could possibly get, which is why you have to pay up for it. Stephon Diggs is an absolute beast. He had like 10 catches for 120 yards and two touchdowns with 10 minutes left in the second in in the third quarter in Monday night's game. The guy's absolute freak. 7,700 digs, full PPR. Yeah, sign me up. Tyreek Hill, 7,600. In division game. I already bet on the Dolphins plus four and a half, but it's moved to plus six. So they're thinking that Miami's going to struggle. I don't love Tyreek. Again, he's not as high volume with the PPR component, but he can hit a home run on any given Sunday, so you can't say no to Tyreek. A.J. Brown, if you go with Jalen Hurts, you're playing A.J. Brown. Simple as that. There probably will be a cash lineup or two that I have that stack. I'm such a big Hurts fan, so if you have Hurts, you're playing Brown. I probably wouldn't be playing Brown if I'm not playing Hurts, just because you're going to have to pay up for a different wide receiver stack, and then if I'm probably playing Fournette, there's just not enough money to go around for a guy like A.J. Brown. I'm on Ross St. Brown. Again, have to consider it. This game is being sharp towards the over. Same thing as Justin Jefferson. If you're crazy enough to play golf with his like 37 pass attempts per game in the first two weeks, which is really high volume, really good offensive line, really good running backs that can both catch out of the backfield in Swift and Jamal Williams. I mean, maybe Thursday's episode, we're talking about Goff as a budget quarterback. I could very well see that happening. And Amon Ra being the stack if you go with a budget quarterback. Okay, tight end. One option over 7,000. His name is Travis Kelsey. I'm not going to say anything else besides if you play Patrick Mahomes, you play Travis Kelsey. You still might even play Travis Kelsey without Patrick Mahomes. We'll see how that core shakes out. If I play Kelsey, I will make sure he's part of my core because spending up on tight end is such a big pivot. When I do do that, I will make sure it is addressed in my core. Mark Andrews, Darren Waller, Kyle Pitts, and Dallas Goddard round out the next top five. I like Goddard at 4,700. Pitts at 4,800. I mean, this game is total to go under. He's so good at football, but this team is so bad at getting him the ball, it's frustrating. So, like, flip your coin and say, is this going to be the week where they finally force-feed him the ball? Like, even get him on a few end-around running plays, bubble screens. Uh, what's it called when the wide receiver, like, kind of sets a block, like, block, screen, screen. It's not a screen pass, but it's a cut route 
I don't know. Anyways, eventually pits will break out. So for 4,800, pits has to be a... Oh, it's a pick route. Pick route. There it is. It's on the tip of my tongue. Pick route for pits. Why don't they do that? Sounds similar enough. Okay. Uh, Waller, 5,800. Don't love it. I just don't love Waller this season. Uh, Mark Andrews, 6,900. Game sharp towards the under. I'm on the under. I will not be on Andrews. He had a touchdown this week. He seems to do that quite often. He could shut me up all he wants to. I'm No disrespect to Andrews. I just probably won't be playing him in DFS. Certainly, there are no defenses worth $7,000. The top five defenses are the Chargers. The, the Bears? The Bears are the second highest defense? Okay, no one is going to be playing the Bears at DFS. If you want to go with a crazy pivot, if you're in some long shot GPP, play the Bears defense. It's a great pivot option if you're in a league that like, hey, I kind of want to get first place in this. It's like a winner-take-all situation. If the Bears get a pick six on Davis Dougie, then, yeah, I mean, 3800 for the Bears. That makes no sense. Okay, Chargers, Bears, Chiefs, Bengals, Saints. Not the usual suspects at the top of the defense list. Okay, let's go through them. Chargers, definitely a good option. Playmakers abound. Uh, they have in-division game. They are home. They have playmakers. Derwin looks like a monster in the way that he tackled Kelsey last week. Uh, Jackson played the cornerback they just gave big money to. So, yeah, I like the Chargers. Skip the Bears. Only play them if you're in a long shot GPP. Chiefs defense. Chiefs defense has been pretty good this season. I mean, they played Herbert pretty well. Once they saw that Herbert's ribs were hurting, they brought endless blitz pressure. I don't expect them to blitz that much against Matt Ryan. Uh, Yet again, Matt Ryan and the Colts just kind of suck. So Matt Ryan always throws a pick. So I guess you could go KC. It's not my favorite spend up because if their offense scores so much, then sometimes they let in easy defensive points for the other team to score, which means their defense loses fantasy points. Bengals defense. Bengals are going against the Jets, so they have a good matchup. Uh, Flacco and the Jets offense has been pretty competent, to say the least. They had 14 points scored in the last two minutes of that game, so that seems like a little bit of a fluke. The Bengals are in a must-win situation. The Bengals defense held the Cowboys to limited points. I think, what, they 20, 21 points? 20 points? I'm not sure what the final score was of that game. But uh, Bengals defense is good. And they're playing against the Jets. 3,600. It's a decent option. I don't love it, but it's a decent option. They haven't really shown that they could be relied upon yet for me to put them in a DFS lineup in really any capacity with these players. I had Jamar Chase in week one. But since then, they have to prove it before I re-enter the Bengals space. Saints defense going against Baker and Carolina. Uh, in-division game. Saints defense is really good, but if Jameis is hurt, if their offense can't move the ball like it should, then I don't really love their the spots that it's going to put their defense in. So I'm really not a fan of the top five defenses this week, which means I will be going value option this week, which means a perfect teaser for Thursday's episode. 
which means I will have to scour the defensive statistics, the unders, the totals that are moving to know which defense to play into. But we will discuss that on Thursday's value episode. Thank you guys for listening. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. Follow me on Twitter at mfiddle14. Today was the Tuesday, September 20th edition of the show, which was spend up options for the DFS slate. Thursday's show will be value options. Saturday will be the core four. I will be Sunday on the YouTube live stream. Live stream. My voice is fumbled. And we will repeat this week in and week out. Thank you for being here. And as always, peace out. listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel and i'm rebecca we're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say didn't see that coming and we hate the people responsible for them listen to people are the worst now on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts